in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Hey, welcome everybody to another brand new episode of Topic Thunder. Here from the Top 10 Show, I am John Roca. Uh, I am Matt Nost, and uh, we're excited to be here to do another week of Topic Thunder. Um, this is a show that's uh, basically, it is for our patrons. They send in questions, topics, whatever they'd like us to talk about. And uh, we don't know what they are before we get them. So it's a surprise to us as much it is as it is you and I believe it's your turn to start this time. Okay. All right. Let me get on it here. Uh, let's see. I think we'll start with Robert Carney. Does that sound right to you? Yeah. Bobby? Bobby Carney? Uh, much love to him. Hey, guys. As you know, Major League Baseball is back in action this spring. With it have come some of the rule changes they implemented during the shortened COVID season of 2020. The most notable is a runner on second base at the start of every extra inning to help speed up games that go into extra innings. Wow, I did not know that was happening. Me a either. runner on second base at the start of every extra and help speed up. So you already get a man on base. Yeah. Wow. This is like, uh, I guess, uh, having the uh, overtime in college football where you're on the 25-yard line. I feel like the rune change has helped give MLB an excitement factor needed for extra innings similar to college football's overtime rules. Now they are toying with more rule changes in the minors this year, like larger bases to make stealing easier, pick off to first base limits, and limiting infield shifts to help speed up the game. My question to you is, what would you like to see the MLB do to help bring new eyes to the game? I know both of you guys have openly discussed how you don't watch the sport that much, so what would be some things to help interest you to come back to the sport again or revisit it for the, or visit it for the first time? Oh, all right, Matt Nose, what do you got? What would bring you back to watching baseball? It's a legitimate question. It is. Um, well, A, a salary cap. Oh, okay. Just... I mean, even if it's a soft cap like the NBA, something to where it levels the playing field and 10 to 12 teams aren't basically glorified farm systems for (laughs) 10 to teams that can afford to spend whatever they want to. Right, 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 right. Um, Because if you're not a fan of one of those large market teams, then it's just the, the system of power. Now, it has turned out that a bunch of quote unquote small market teams have won the championship like the Royals or somehow the Giants are a small market team, even though there's so much concentrated wealth in that area in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But there have been smaller market teams that won. Now it looks like the Dodgers are going to reign this year and they got a chance to do this for a little while. And maybe maybe. they've lost, they've lost 10 out of the last 15, Matt. They seem to be in, in trouble right now. Well, that one against Houston, I think has an asterisk. Uh, just true, you know, true. Cheating on that level is <laughs> is a bit much. Although there's wrong. a there's a pitcher. Um, oh shit, I can't remember who it was because I don't follow. I just saw this video discussing. So he was open about the fact that guys are doctoring balls and oh. have been for years. So it eventually went, oh yeah, and went out 
And for one inning, the first time I think it was, he doctored balls and suddenly it's like he was unhittable. And then wow. he went back to not doing it to show people this is what everybody's doing. Wow. And he, there was no crackdown. So the next season he said, fuck you guys and did it too. And he got a huge contract. Uh, he's one of the best pitchers in the league. I can't remember his name because I don't watch the game anymore, but I watched the video. Wow. And then it, YouTube sent me down a K hole of, uh, I watched a Dodgers pitcher give a clinic on how th- he throws a curveball. It was fascinating. Yeah. Okay. Um, just like all these little technical things anyway. Um, but hard cap and That's- speed up the game. Yeah. Like, I like the runner on second because it potential, you know, it adds more tension and the potential to score makes it more fun. But that shot clock they put on pitchers and batters doesn't really work. Yeah. Uh, So if there was a penalty, if you go over that, I don't know if there is or is not, but just speed up the fucking game, man, because it takes, it's a commitment of you need to to block out minimum three and a half hours for this Mm -hmm. game. Well, I think at the end of the day, what are you going to do, right? Like you, baseball has always been a long game, right? I mean, I, I think it's, you know, yeah, it's increased in um, the time because also I think you could limit pitcher changes in the playoffs. Like in the playoffs, you could like throw in seven pitchers in a game seven. Nope, this is all you get. Your two pitchers, this is all you get. If they're going to get shellacked, shellacked and then let them get shellacked, that's fine. It's the game. You know what I'm saying? So that's another thing that adds time. I agree with the um, the batter clock. That's, I mean, nobody did that worse than Nomar Garcia Parra. Literally looked like he was yeah. putting on a new uniform. Changing his gloves over and like just yeah. strapped between, to retightening, retightening, retightening. Between every swing. It was one of those ridiculous things I'd ever seen. Manny Ramirez did that as well. And that was just to kind of mess with the pitcher's timing. So to me, I agree. I think, there should, I think the pitcher clocks and the, the batting clocks – I think a batter clocks rather that should be increased in terms of the uh, frequency uh, and lessened in terms of seconds. And it should cost you a strike every time you go past that time. Um, or it might even cost you a man on base. That's a possibility too, where it's an out, it's an out and you remove the guy and you're back into this situation. So you're moving forward. But I, I, I don't, I mean, these are all cosmetic changes in the end. Um, I think it's more a matter of, Bring me back exciting players, bro. I mean, I know they're great players in the MLB. Obviously, they're mm-hmm. physical specimens, but there's no characters really like there were in the past. There's no personalities as strong as they were in the past. Kyle, was it was a trout, Mike Trout, uh, and uh, Bryce Harper. These are boring stars. There's not like where's Reggie, where's uh, where's where's Manny, where's Noma, where are these guys that like even Derek Jeter had that kind of like charisma to him. Where are those stars? We don't have them anymore. Uh, any, and I think that's what uh, kills it. Same thing with men's tennis. I think that's what kills men's tennis too, is we don't have uh, like those interesting characters. Enter- sports is sports, but it always has an entertainment factor. And I think this is yeah. where the NBA, the NFL, this is why they're so miles ahead of everybody else because both leagues have characters. Both league- leagues have people you can watch and you're interested in. There's jawing, there's trash talking, all this kind of stuff. That you don't see it that much in the MLB anymore, and it's because these guys are paid, getting paid like millions and millions of dollars. It's just a well, different every approach. League I feel is, like. Every league is getting paid millions and millions of dollars. Two hundred forty million dollars for twelve. I mean, that's nuts. Yeah, you but know, if you five hundred million at, dollars, come on. Yeah, but you look at it versus like NBA contracts. Guys are making, you know, some guys are making forty million a year. That's banana times, right? Well, yeah, but those are the veterans, right? Like Chris Paul and stuff like that. That's a different situation. Yes. 
But I, I'm just saying, like the 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 money is obscene, and I'm not against them making it if that's what the sport pays. Get every dollar you can because you're the ones right. that are generating this revenue. Right. Um. So, I'm, but also, isn't it also branding too, Matt? Isn't it like all these stars now have to like they they get brand managers and they tell them how to act so they can you know sell shit off off the field. Those guys, well, Pros didn't worry about that shit. You know, those guys didn't worry about that shit. Well, I think in the case of MLB, they're looking at the NBA once again because the NBA yeah. has the most marketable stars. They're yes. the only ones that have the athletes that crack the top ten of Forbes' uh, highest earning athletes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because their contract deals pay them more than their salaries do. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they're making money on the level of your Neymars, your Ronaldos. Like right. those guys beat them, but at the same time, LeBron is. It's pretty damn close. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Steph Curry is actually pretty close. His Under Armour deal is is sweet for him. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, the NBA definitely goes out of its way it's to market their stars. And there's fewer guys. Plus, there's no helmets. There's nothing in the way of just like kind of getting to know these guys. They're just wearing yeah. a jersey type of thing. Whereas the NFL, they're behind so much padding and helmets that you don't have as much a connection. But yeah, they don't have the stars. Mike, Mike Trout could walk into a room right now and i'd be like i don't know who that is right like i know what he looks like but he also looks like basically how a toddler draws a man because mm-hmm. <laughs> he doesn't have many distinct facial features but he's big, this big hulking mass and by all accounts he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet yeah yeah uh but he's not i, I don't know he just looks like a dude yeah he's, honestly i i've only seen him once but the hype was so big. I was like, well, let's see how he is. And you're like, the hype is justified. This dude is so good. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be like, uh, you know, the old man cry, whining about this. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that w- character sells, personality sells. Mm-hmm. That's part of the entertainment factor here. And again, I'm not saying there aren't incredible athletes in MLB and the NHL, another league that suffers from really having nondescript stars that don't really move the needle that much. Or aren't that interesting? Uh, you've got to find those people, or those people got to come in with a certain kind of personality. I don't think you have it in the MLB like you did in days past, and I think that costs them. You know, I think that um, is an issue. You know? yeah. yeah, I mean, Bryce is, I guess, their closest because you yeah, know, he's a, has kind of a. I mean, Bad Boy would probably be the good marketing spin on him, right? I mean, you know, he came in as the the anointed next mm-hmm. so it's kind of hard not to have an ego you know yeah the lebrons are fewer than the guys that buy into the hype and yeah. don't put in the work and don't become all they are and i'd say i don't know how good bryce i know that contract he signed was just flat out ridiculous for the the length of it right right and and i don't know if he's living up to it or not i, I don't have the slightest clue that's the other thing with baseball. The contracts just by the time you get halfway through this, there's no way the value is going to translate. They're, they're yeah. more than likely they're now Trout's got a chance to live up to the majority of his contract, but the Angels apparently didn't learn this lesson when they signed Pujols to that obscene contract. <laughs> yeah, and by the last probably 60% of it, he was washed. Yeah, he was washed. Yeah, you're right. And he was still, I was glad the Cardinals, you know got rid of them with that but they, they still were good and you know whatever who yeah, cares i stopped watching cardinals. baseball not too long after that <laughs> 
But look at uh, here are the names, right? Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah, this is yeah. He wears his hair. He's got different color hair braids. I get it. He's noticeable. Freddie Freeman, Jacob Degrom, Garrett Cole, Ron Lacuna Jr., Juan Soto, Mookie Betts, Mike Trout. These are like the top ten players as of a couple of weeks ago, according to ESPN.com. And it's like I wouldn't couldn't pick them out of a lineup to save no. my life. And they don't. And there's nothing really that interesting about them other than they're obviously exceptional at what they do. But they yeah. don't really kind of stand out or grab your attention that much. I mean, um, and I hear the purists complaining, but you got to be honest and truth. Tell truths here. All I've heard, like I, I, I kind of know what Mookie Betts looks like. I know what Trout yeah. looks like. Um, the other names that you said, yeah. you know, Coles and uh, Tatis or Tatis. Yeah, Fernando Tatis. Yeah, or Tatis. Um, I, I'm sure I've seen them. Yeah, couldn't right. tell you what they. I'm, like by all accounts, Mookie Betts is a generational talent, and I could yes. I, I believe I could tell you who he is in a lineup. <laughs> that tells you where baseball is at on my radar. I but yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure I could. But right. all I've heard about the dude is he's amazing, and the Dodgers, the Sox were idiots for giving him up because yeah. he's so young and so talented that he's going to be justified in having this contract. And then it's uh yeah, he's just he's good. <laughs> that's that's all I've heard. Couldn't tell you what he looks like specifically. Like I'm pretty sure, you know, yeah. I've seen his headshot type of thing on stats and whatnot, but haven't watched him in a game. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So there you go, Bobby. That's our thoughts. That's our thoughts uh, overall. I bet. I think. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. But I was gonna say I do like the runner on second thing. Yeah. 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 Maybe they should institute that more. Try and pep up the game a little. Although in extra innings, I, I've been to many extra innings in, in, in games. It isn't lack of getting hits. It's lack of getting the person home. I've seen so many people stranded on bases uh, in extra innings. Um, but I get the logic, obviously. You, as yeah. Matt said, it puts the tension out there and puts the pressure on the pitcher and the hitters to get that person home or stop that person from coming home. I totally get it. Um, I, I think like the first – inning or two of extra innings has all the tension you need because you're on pins and needles. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's those poor people that have sat through, you know, 17 inning games like, Oh my God, <laughs> that's know. where it gets it just excessive. It's a, you know, can I outlast you? It's a duel at that point. <laughs> yeah. I was in, I remember when I used to go to the Dodgers game, we went to a game that was like on a Monday night, 14 innings. By the time it was over, we had moved from the kind of top upper area of the stadium all the way down to like the bottom because uh, everyone else had just kind of left because they had to go to work and shit. Not surprised. And, uh, and we just kind of moved all the way down. We stayed till I think it was almost till midnight for that. It was great. It was a great experience because I'd never been to a long game like that. So, but it was a, uh, you know, but you, you have too much of those and they'll just get yeah. just too damn boring. I, so. Yeah. I don't know if I've seen an extra innings game. I'm mm. sure I, I've seen a lot of baseball games. I've had to have at some point. I'm sure. I'm sure, dude. Yeah, I'm sure. I have seen a no hitter. Oh, I've never seen that. That's cool. Uh, yeah, that was cool. Wow. I've seen a couple games get close, and you're like, dude, he's got a no no going. Uh huh. Uh, but they all, you know, they fizzled out, which it's impressive they made it that long, type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, there you go, right. uh, Bobby. Yeah, thank you, Bobby. All right, what's next, man? Uh, comes from Juan Reyes and All says, right. well, I figured it was about damn time that I submit a topic <laughs> thunder question. Oh, thank you. Uh huh. There are several classics that I want to catch up on. I find it harder for me to be in the mood to turn something old on, though. Whoops. 
Uh, I usually don't regret it when I do. I saw Lifeboat recently and loved it. What are your guys' thoughts on how mood affects movie watching, though? I know Matt has mentioned that he wasn't in the right frame of mind for a movie. Then he rewatched it later and changed his opinion. Thanks for taking my question and bongo on. Juan Reyes, a.k.a. Jake Golden Eyes. Oh, Jake Golden Eyes. Nice. I got to get back to him about the bongos. Damn, I keep forgetting. But now that I have his email, I think I'm going to email. Uh, Matt, oh, uh, yeah, I agree. It's it's very much in the mood, especially when you're revisiting old movies. Now, I have a proclivity to like old movies because like, I grew up on those, watching those as a kid. Like Parents plopped me in front of a television and said, learn English without an accent by watching these things. And so... Old movies were what I had on in the in the 70s and 80s to watch uh, uh, on those channels. So I just have a proclivity to watch those. I love TCM. I love catching up on old movies, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. So to me, it's just a, an instinct. I rarely have to be in the right mood for an old movie. I can just relax and enjoy it. But I understand when people have to be in the right mood. And certainly there have been more modern films, 70s, uh, 90s stuff. Like I have to kind of be in the right frame of mind to really indulge in it and have a good time with it. So I totally get it. And it's important to be in the right frame of mind so you can savor it. And I, I think the subject matter influences that as well. Mm. Like being in the right frame of mind. Cause there are certain movies that all you hear about them leading up to is it's this depressing or whatever, but it's really <laughs> good. Right. And I enjoy those movies, but I have to be in the right mood going into it to fully embrace it. Otherwise I'm not going to enjoy myself at all. It's like some, yeah. some arduous process uh, to get through. Like say yeah. you weren't dialed into Requiem for a dream. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, that movie, it was fine. It was, you know, whatever you dismissed it for things like, dude, if you're in the right mood, that movie is affecting grossly affecting mm-hmm. too. Uh, but there have been yeah. others. I haven't seen black Swan yet. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. Well, I heard going into it what it was, and it was like, okay, it was during award season. And, you know, at that time, I'm watching, trying to see two to three every time I go to the cinema. So, A, figuring out schedules to line up those movies, and then Mm. B, just like, well, what kind of combination can I get? (laughs) What are we talking about here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you try and pattern your day. I put this, usually the... If I'm doing three, like the heaviest in the middle and then the softest at the end, just to kind of unwind from having sat through yeah. seven hours of movies that day. Uh, so maybe Black Swan just didn't make, but I haven't seen it. And I'm just like, I need to kind of be in the right mood, I think, for that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I also find that uh, ever since I started kind of sliding into this as a full time gig and then, of course, on on my own channel, like there's this piece of me that hates being told when to watch a movie. Like you've got to watch it by mm. this time so you can do the review and put it out and get some of the, and so for me, I have a, you know, like I have a tendency to bristle at that. Um, it's my own rebellious streak. And in the past, I've always kind of been like, yeah, I'm going to go see the movie. This is coming out. This is great. But now that there's a responsibility attached to it, mm. I have sometimes this internal conflict between do I, am I really going to see it because I want to see it or am I going to see it or watching it because I'm being told I've got to do it by a certain time and there's a constraint on it. So I kind of hate that aspect of it all, to be honest with you, uh, for me. And that's kind of like messed me up at times uh, with going to see movies. uh, It's understandable. And the pressure of like having to see all these Oscar nominated films, Matt, like, oh, you've got to go see this stuff and blah, blah, blah. So I also also see that. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say that wouldn't bother me as much as going to see some schlock fest that you already have no interest in. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because you have to do a review of it and be like, this is going to suck. And then you see it and you're like, it did suck. Why? I knew it was going to suck. So Those I just, are the worst, man. Yeah. Those yeah the worst, like, I just wasted 90 to two minutes, two hours of my life knowing that this was going to be dog shit. Yep. yep. So somebody else can watch this dog shit. Um, yeah. yeah, that's, that's the only, like the Oscar. It's like, you got to do it. I understand that. That makes sense. This is the best. Mm-hmm this field has to offer for right. the, like the dramatic type of there's still action and comedy and rom-coms and all that jazz yeah. that have their best. But I'm saying for the season, the drama, everything that is held up by the industry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the schlock fest. I, I, I got 20 minutes left on mortal Kombat Cause I wanted to see everybody was like, it's good. It's, it's fine. So far. It's Okay. That's what I said yeah. in my review. It's an okay film. It's, it's not great. fine. It's yeah. not good. It's not yeah. terrible. So they're there. You're somewhere in between. Yeah. But it's also taken four settings and I'm not done. <laughs> I don't, I'm just watching like 15 minutes at a time. And then I get 15, 20 and I'm like, eh, I'm good for yeah. now. I'll watch this whole fucking thing eventually. Yeah. I'm right <laughs> to when everybody has gotten there at least one win. Oh Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like the now they got to face off against Sub Zero. Like okay, Sub Zero. Yeah, he's uh, interesting. Him and Scorpion are the two best parts of the movie. Oh, and uh, Kano as well with his dude. That Sonya chick. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, Sonya Blade can't do yeah. the action, and not that good an actress. No, so I know, dude. I, because I think when you look at these movies, here's my honest opinion. I just finished watching a movie earlier this afternoon, Matt. That is all, that is a schlock fest. I knew it was going to be a schlock fest. I still had to watch it. Um, I'm not going to reveal it because it's it's the NDA stuff. But like, when you look at a movie and you're watching it and you don't recognize nine tenths of the actors, if you're yeah. an, especially if you're an avid movie watcher, yeah, you're in some trouble. Let me just put that out there. You're in some trouble. And I don't mean like Clint Eastwood where he catches or casts these new actors in Gran Torino. I mean, like, this is a film that you that people have said they're going to they're rebooting this franchise. They're going to cast these people. They're going to get some names involved in it. And then when you start to watch the movie, you're like, oh, crap, man. They totally copped out on the yeah. script, copped out on the look of it, copped out on the acting uh, actors that are involved in it. If, if a majority of the actors have TV credits, this is a difficult situation when you're going into. Yeah, well, you never know. Sometimes it's there's a bunch of. I mean, there's so much television now that I I don't know if that's the ding that it once was. Okay. Well, just in that you can maybe the show that they're on isn't your cup of tea, but I think, but they could be the best individual on that. Sure. It's a show that you don't watch or never heard of, and be like, this individual is great. We should just use mm-hmm. them. Like you could. I, I like Jax. I thought that dude was good so far. I haven't finished it. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I liked Kano. Yeah, I like Kano. Funny. Josh Lawson yeah. was hilarious. Yeah, he's good. He's got presence. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think everybody else on the good guy side, no. And look, if you cast the dude from Smallville, oh, not Smallville, sorry, Supergirl, and you get him in the gym and you bulk him up, uh, and mm-hmm. you give him two, one to two scenes at the beginning of the movie, and then you sideline him for a majority of the movie until the end. I'd be super pissed. I'd be like, I spent all this time in the gym and I have maybe four to five scenes in the movie. So I don't know. It just seems like why, you, why 
just find someone who's already built and just put him in the role because the role was not that deep or that complex. And, well, yeah, perhaps it was in the initial shoot, but then on the <laughs> editing, they cut down because it's not even that long a film. It's an hour and 50. It's yeah. long. For That's that, true. It's kind of okay. long. Yeah. Um, but to be fair to Matt, the credits are like 10 to 15 minutes long. Are they? So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, but, once yeah. again, I still got about 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes left. I'll Good watch luck. the end of it eventually. Good luck, man. Good luck. Um, but I like that Jay Goldeneye's watched Lifeboat. That's a Hitchcock film from like 1939, I think, mm-hmm. or 40. It's one of his and first. All, yeah, one of the well, yeah, one of the early ones for sure. And uh, you know, hey, just a bunch of people stuck on a lifeboat who that's just been sunk by, I think, a, a, a Nazi sub or a German sub. And uh, how they figure things out as they go along. So, yeah, very interesting stuff, that movie. A lot of Hitchcock's early shit needs to be revisited and talked about because there's some good stuff there, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, should we do one more before we wrap up? Yeah, let's do one more. All right, thanks, Jay Golden Eyes. Appreciate it. And I got to get your email. Uh, all right, this is from Bobo, Robert Haley. He says, hello, man, John. After listening to the Matthew McConaughey episode, it got me thinking about the different ways you could slice an actor's career. I feel like it's come up before in lists where you can focus on top 10 performances or top 10 movies. For instance, Tropic Thunder is in no way, or Tropic Thunder rather, is in no way a Tom Cruise movie, but his performance is stellar and could be considered one of the best of his career. Basically, I'm realizing I'm describing the Oscar category for best supporting actor slash actress. So what are some of your favorite performances by major actors in small roles? Sticking with McConaughey, I love his small part in Bernie. Stay safe and crossing fingers for a live Texas show in 2022. Robert Bobo Haley. Uh, Matt, yeah. Do you have any um, favorite performances of major by major actors in small roles? Uh, well, I mean, we just did Giamatti, and that describes sure Most a of bunch career. of his career. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, like Philip Seymour Hoffman in Punch Drunk Love. Oh, yeah. Yeah, certainly. That scene towards the end, I mean, he's, yeah. he's only in it sparingly, but yeah. when he gets in the confrontation with Adam Sandler and backs down. Yeah. It's it's great. It makes the movie. Uh, yeah, we just did it on the cinephile. I think it's only three scenes. It's the scene when he's first introduced and mm-hmm. he's sending the guys out. Yep. Then the scene on the phone where he's like, no, fuck you. Fuck you. Yeah. That's You're the scene. I remember that scene and then him showing up. Yeah. And then him showing up. That's those, those seem to be the only three scenes that I remember that he's in. So yeah, good, that's a good call on that one. Um, let's see. Uh, George Clooney was, Oh, Matt Damon, Matt Damon popping up in Euro trip is hilarious. Sure. Uh, Matt Damon and Thor Ragnarok is hilarious. Yeah. That one's, that one's great. Uh, <laughs> And what is it? Deadpool or Deadpool Two? Did that's Pitt. Pitt. That's Brad Pitt. But Brad Pitt's Wait. Deadpool Two. That half second. Right. That's awesome. Right. Oh, that's, is he in Deadpool? Matt Damon. It. Who's the? Which movie has a uh, uh, two rednecks sitting on the back tailgate of a truck? And Matt Damon's one of them. That's Deadpool Two. Yes, that's him yeah. and Alan Tudyk. Tudyk. That's, that's what right. I thought. Totally Just in there for a nothing that. scene. And Tadek bringing back his Dale versus evil, yeah. Dale Tucker versus evil character. That's right. I forgot about that. Uh, yeah, He's Damon, so but Pitts was such a great oh. cameo. That's how you do it, man. That's how you do it. As a guy that is doesn't want to be in superhero movies, 
because he's his brand is not that you know he's suave oscar you know guy basically at this point so to come in and do what how many frames is that (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I don't 18 know, frames it's not even a full maybe. second or it's a maybe. uh it's just ridiculous uh let's yeah. see what other great Whereas actors his appearance in 12 years a slave completely the opposite he should not be in that movie no. at well, all he's a producer of the movie yeah it takes and, you out uh, of it completely he does man. he does his oh. accent is so weird oh it is weird it's super weird but um, i can't remember is he supposed to be like a mennonite I don't know, he's got yeah, a, I think so. Yeah, he's building that thing. But he's got cool. a specific like jaw strap beard type thing, and he's got a like a Dutch Pennsylvania accent or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. He's um, trying. Yeah. Damon at the end of Finding Forrester is pretty cool. It's a surprise. Oh, Interstellar, right? And that's a small role Damon does in Interstellar. Sure. It's pretty sure. creepy. Well, I mean McConaughey and Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. But two scenes, yeah. Well, the scene at the, the yeah, the trading floor, and then the scene at the restaurant. Oh, I don't. The restaurant. There might be another, but I don't think so. Yeah, but it's just like in and out. I'm I'm good. I was trying to think of uh, female actresses that have done the occasional cam. Oh, Meryl Streep was terrible in the Mary Poppins Returns cameo. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen that. Oh, Glenn Close popping up in Hook. That was funny. Seeing her as a pirate in Hook, I thought that was a cool little cameo. Um, yeah, but I don't like Hook, so I didn't really care. All right, fair. I think I, Bob Hoskins is my favorite part of Hook. Oh yeah, but it's me. yeah, but it's it's good. But you got Robin Williams, you got Dustin Hoffman, you got Julia Roberts, you got—I mean, it's a stellar cast. Yes, agreed. By Spielberg. And uh, doesn't hit me the same way it does, you know, a generation younger than I am. What about Johnny Depp in 21 Jump Street when he gets shot in the neck at the end to have him do that cameo? That was it's, cool. It's good, but I, do you think it's the same thing? I mean, it's... He's just popping in for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Few. But it's a wink to, I used to do this role, whereas the others are, they're fulfilling something within the story. And this is, they work this in just to have nice little... Huh? Right. Huh? <laughs> what about let's Austin give, uh, Powers? Let's give what's his name uh, an acting job for the first time in 15 years. As <laughs> oh, yeah. David DeLuise. I there you go. Yeah. Is that is that <laughs> I think that so. who it is? Good for him. I can I can picture that guy in his heyday in the 80s. I don't couldn't tell you his name for the life of me. God, I think it is David DeLuise. <laughs> what about like the Austin Powers stuff with like Tom Cruise as Austin Powers and when those little when he did that mid vignette and then um uh, Gwyneth Paltrow as Uma Thur- no as uh, Heather Graham and then Danny DeVito is was it three? I think that's three. Yeah. Uh, is it David DeLuise? Let's go to two thousand. Was it when, when did that come out? Two thousand thirteen. Twenty one. I don't know. I would search Damn. through Channing Tatum's filmography first. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> Shit, I'm bad. Oh, it's either him when, or you well, know, Jonah. Yeah, I forget what the fuck his name was. I guess it's not David Eloise. My bad, my bad. But he is obviously the guy from the original Twenty One Jump Street. I thought it was. I thought they brought back the other dude, the other, uh, somebody else from the TV show to be Depp's undercover partner. In that That's what moment. I'm saying. It, it was this, it was the other guy from the show. Yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah, 
Oh, I thought oh, you were saying I'm it sorry. Wasn't- it's it's Peter DeLuise. My bad. Not okay. David DeLuise. My bad. Yeah, Peter DeLuise was the guy from 21 Jump Street. All right. Y'all can stop yelling at your at your radios now. No, no one outside of Peter DeLuise is yelling right now. <laughs> <laughs> what about David Bowie and Zoolander? That was kind of funny. Uh, that movie was a miss to me. Okay, fair enough. Will Smith and Anchorman 2? No? Yes? No? Uh, eh. All right. All right. Hey, I'm not, yeah, it's it's fine. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. It was kind of to be expected in that scene, though. Who else are they going to bring in? Because they had cameos in the first one. That's true. So just in that the battle scene. So unsurprisingly, oh. there was a whole bunch of other random cameos. Kate Blanchett was in Hot Fuzz. Yeah, she plays one of the forensics. That's, that one's great bitch. because they put her behind goggles, a face mask, and a full body suit, so you can only hear her voice. I remember yeah. seeing it going, I, I know that voice. And I looked it up <laughs> afterwards. I was like, you got you to be kidding me. They got fucking Kate Blanchett for that? That's great. You can tell once you know it, you can see it in her eyes. Yeah. But it's her voice. Yeah, but she's behind. She was dating Simon Pegg before he leaves London. To go out to the countryside. And she breaks up with him at a crime scene, I think. <laughs> but, I'm going to see that movie again. I've, I haven't seen it in such a long time, man. Oh, wait, Carrie Fisher and George Lucas are in Hook? I didn't know that. Oh, they're uh, a kissing couple who starts floating in the air after Tinkerbell sprinkles fairy dust on them. Really? Carrie Fisher and George Lucas? Interesting. All right. Yeah, I didn't know that. I know she was a script doctor on that script. No surprise. No surprise. Yeah. Uh, and then George's buddies with Spielberg. So it's an unsu- oh. you know, make, yay, that's surprising, but unsurprising. Cameron Diaz and Cameron Crowe were on the train in Minority Report in a quick scene. Huh. I don't remember that at all. No. God damn. All right. Oh, Michael Jackson, a man in black too. Well, it's because he wanted the Will Smith role in the first one, and they they went and asked him for a song. Y- you can have it if I can have that role. And they're like, mm. <laughs> nah, that's good. Mm. You know what? We found uh. another song that might work a little better for the scene. But we appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, pal. <laughs> let me let me get back to you on that. I'll have my people call your people. Hold on, we got to see if we can afford it. You know. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen was in High Fidelity? I didn't remember him in that. Shit. It was a dream sequence. Okay. I don't remember that either. Um, and then, of course, Stan Lee and everything. So, good stuff. Yeah. That, uh, All right. I think, I think we're good to wrap it there. Uh, Matt, uh, thanks to everybody who uh, sent in questions. Thanks to Bobo for that question as well, for Jay Goldeneyes and Robert Carney. Um, uh, fun stuff. Yeah, as, as you can see, we never know where it's going to take us, and it's always uh, uh, interesting the questions you guys ask, and you send us down wormholes, and we have fun conversations about them. So, thank you all so much for being patrons of the top ten, Matt. That is it for this week's show. Uh, if you want to be a part of the show or anything else we do, head over to patreon.com forward slash the top 10 with the number 10 and join us over there. You get to participate in this or boss hog, uh, the live shows we do on the second and fourth Thursdays of the month mm-hmm. and uh, head over there. You can follow me anywhere at Matt Nost and the, sh- the show is at top 10 show um, on Twitter and at the top 10 podcast on Instagram and YouTube. 
You can follow me at the Roca says on Twitter and on Instagram. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of Topic Thunder. Ooh.